Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Carrie Clark, who is the founder and CEO at Uplift, which is a platform that empowers working women to turn motherhood into a career advantage, not a drawback. Drawing from her own experience as a mother and spending eight years working for Google as a product marketer and product manager, combined with dozens and dozens of interviews with working moms at the top of their fields, Carrie came up with this idea for Uplift, which you can learn more about it on upliftparents.com. In this episode, we go through how she actually started and grew this business, what it's evolved into, and her plans for the future as well. The show notes for this episode are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. Finally, the Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter with tips, tools, and strategies for growing a business, can be found at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Carrie Clark, founder and CEO at Uplift. Carrie, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah, and there's lots to talk about with Uplift. What I want to start with first, though, is what exactly is Uplift? Uplift is a company that helps companies support their working moms. And we like to say helps working moms support themselves. <laughs> um, and I can tell you a little bit sort of about how it started. That that might yeah. help explain what it is, is I was at Google for eight years. And during that time, I had two kids. My kids now are four and six. And Google on paper had every benefit for moms that you can imagine on the sun. And it was still insanely hard for me. And I realized, you know, there had to be a better way because if it was hard for me with with those types of benefits, what was it like for other folks? And I also started realizing that I needed to, it was almost like Google was solving the wrong problem. They kept treating the problem that, uh, you know, that working moms had to be much more of a logistical problem. So let's yeah. get them support. Let's get them, um, you know, backup childcare. But what I was really struggling with were all the emotional pressures around um, having kids. So guilt, uh, imposter syndrome, just being overwhelmed, really having to find a whole new identity. And so that's what Uplift focuses on is we help moms um, just like we like to say, be their best selves. And we do that by um, helping them on a lot of these um, more like helping them up their mental game. And with that too, then with starting this company, so you had eight years at Google, you had some like just things that you weren't felt like were being addressed necessarily. You had this idea. I, I, how does it turn into like, I'm going to actually make a company out of this? <laughs> well, it kind of always wanted to start a company. And in fact, <laughs> Uh, the last four years I spent at Google, I worked, um, I basically started a product within Google. As I, I always say that was my first uh, startup. I had a product called Live Case where it was customized phone cases and came up with the idea, built an entire team, got resources and funding for it, built our entire supply chain. So I'd always, and I, and I did it during those times being like, this is my practice run to start a company. Um, so I knew I wanted to, to start one. So it was then just about finding the idea and, and taking the leap. Yeah. And finding it, yeah, taking the leap is a, t- a tough part though, Carrie. I mean, I mean, how did you get to that point then of actually wanting to 
to leave? Because I've talked to so many people now, and it's like it's always hard to decide when the right time is. Some people could do do it based on like their their business has made progress while they're working in another company, or they have enough revenue to be able to support themselves, or they just felt like they had to shut it off completely. For you, how did you decide then to actually make that leap? So it was less. I I didn't fully start Uplift until after I left. I had done, you know, I became trained as a coach. Coaching is a big part of our, our program. I uh, did a bunch of research on working moms, but I didn't have like a product that was out there or anything like that. Um, for me, it became. I mean, we have we had a family, and so there were some life changes that we made when we left. Uh, when, when I started this company, we actually moved from New York City to Washington D.C. Um, just because our idea there was that it was going to be easier. We had a lot more family here. It was going to be cheaper. There was going to be great public schools, all of these things that would help like walking away from, you know, a big corporate job feel easier. And so I knew that we wanted to, to make that, that, that leap, um, to support this. Yeah. And so a lot of it just became timing as like, how do we move an entire family down from New York to DC. (laughs) Yeah. From the idea that I decided I wanted to leave, it took about a year and a half of, and that was, you know, of like, okay, now I need to go find an idea for a company. We knew when we were planning on moving. And so it it was just sort of like circumstance made um, our, sort of dictated the timing more than things on the business. Yeah. And then with Uplift as well, going through kind of that customer discovery, kind of validating this this problem before you get to the business side of it, like, were you talking to potential customer? Like, how are you going through that kind of process to figure out who your customers would be? And that sort of process as well. I talked to a, uh, an, uh, a number of people on, on in the HR space uh, around that. Um, but the main discovery I did was really about the moms. My my feeling was that if I could help the moms in the best way, then the HR professionals um, and businesses would, would follow from there because we, we sell into to companies mainly. Yeah. So I just did a ton of research on the moms, just talked to a lot of them. Um, the initial part of my company was um, very prototypey. So I got a group of moms, actually most of them were at Google, right before I I left to be my first testers. And um, I don't know if they know this, but I told them I had a program. (laughs) I I didn't have a program. My thought was I didn't want to build things and waste time building things that people didn't need. And so what I would do is I would coach someone, interview them, coach them, find out what they need. And I said, it would be like, okay, great. I'll, I'll send that over to you. And then that night <laughs> would go, and <laughs> I told them I was going to send them. And so I built the program out really in real time with them. Um, but that made me be really efficient because I never built anything that someone didn't want. And the cool thing about my business is that the coaching is a very big part of it. And so um, at that time I was doing one-on-one coaching. Now we do a lot of group coaching, but because we have that direct interaction with our customers, we're really close to our customers and it allows us to iterate very, very fast because we can just try something out in the moment um, and get feedback directly without having to have a focus group or something like that. We're, we're talking to, we talk to every single one of our customers every single month. 
Yeah. And when you first started this, did you see it as kind of just like, this is going to be a coaching platform? Do you already see it in the beginning as offering courses as well? Like what was kind of in your head of what this business would look like? I, so I had done some nutrition coaching. Like I'd been coached uh, by a nutrition coaching company called Working Against Gravity and had that be really successful for me. And they did all of their coaching over email. So you would check in with them once a week. They would ask them questions. They would email you and coach back and forth through email. And I saw how effective this was for me. And I realized, oh, can we do this coaching for these moms completely digitally? And so that's where we started. Quickly found um, out that that was not the most effective way. (laughs) And so um, I sort of wanted to start more with having digital content and those types of pieces versus that human contact. But I quickly realized that these were moms who, you know, in a lot of ways were struggling um, and that human contact really made a huge difference. And so we then switched to doing that one-on-one coaching um, over the phone. And then this past summer, we switched to doing group coaching, which we do over video chat. And that's even been more effective because then you have moms helping each other as well and sort of that, that community that gets formed. Yeah, and with the coaching as well, I mean, how is that kind of structure just in terms of looking at, is it like, oh, you have a program where you're going to do 12 weeks of coaching or you do you know one coaching session a week, one session a month. Like, how is that kind of organized, that whole coaching process? So it, it just differs. We have different plans for different different companies. The, the way that it normally works is you get around one coaching session a month. And then there's things that you do in between your coaching sessions to keep it fresh. Um, gotcha. and depending on the program, we usually start with a one-on-one coaching session with your coach so that you get to know each other, set some goals, and then we, we bring you into the group and that helps uh, sort of ease you into it and make sure you're getting that, that really one-on-one attention that we find to be really effective too. Yeah. And you mentioned with the uh, companies as well that you're working with and going through them. I mean, what were you doing to kind of strategize which companies you want to start with? Or was it just like connections you had uh, already personally built up? What was that process like as well? Lots of experimentation. Um, so I had a bunch of hunches. That's how I like to start with things. And so <laughs> nice. one of my hunches was, and then I do a bunch of research and then go back to my hunches to see if they were correct. So one of my hunches was that the companies who were struggling the most with retaining moms would find this the most interesting. So looking at law firms or, you know, companies that were having really high attrition and that ended up being not true. (laughs) What I have found (laughs) that are, and this is not surprising when you think about it, but the ones that have been the most interested are usually the ones that are the most forward thinking about moms. And, you know, so if you think about the adoption curve, that makes sense. That's really that early adopter group is what we're targeting right now. And I do think we are going to reach those other ones as well. Um, But I did a bunch of experimentation and just found out there's a reason that those companies are really struggling. And a lot of it is that they're slower to move. They're not as innovative and, you know, they're, they're having sort of 
their own internal issues around this issue. Um, and so our lower hanging fruit were the ones that are on the list of best places to work for moms and, you know, really doing amazing things with their moms. And this is just another way to support their moms and, you know, to balance out all the logistical support that they're already doing. Yeah. And then just thinking of it from, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are kind of just starting their, their companies, you know, these targets of who you think would be, you'd want to work with. It turns out not to be what you thought and you kind of go, go different route. Then what is that kind of the pitch or kind of the higher level, like, sales that you used to then get into with these companies like this is obviously a need like what is that like to go through that like what how are you portraying that portraying uplift to that like yeah your company needs to work with us yeah i mean it's all roi right so right being able to track down what are the problems so the way that i work with a discover so in the sales process i start with a discovery call and that one, usually I try not to get into slides on that call. And it's mainly me listening to the problems that the the company is having. And so I try to identify there because which problem we should tap into. So there's a number of ones that we can solve. So we can solve, you know, are your employees engaged? Are they happy? Are they burnt out? What's their productivity levels? Are they likely to leave? Um, you know, and so there's a number of num- a number of benefits that we have and so i try to find out which is the ones that this company is struggling with and start there and so maybe it's a company who's like yes we're having horrible you know retention or retention rates they're just like dropping and so you know that's what i will then focus on and talk about all the data that we have about how we help with retention the impact that someone's leaving, like a mom leaving is about a one and a half times her salary is what it costs to for companies to replace them. And so once you start having that, you can make a really strong ROI saying like, you know, we are just a small percentage of that money that you're already that you would be losing if one of these people left. And so it's really about tying it back one to what they care about to hard numbers. So you have that that definite ROI calculation that's happening. And then three, what data you have to prove that you work. Yeah. And Carrie, obviously you keep mentioning we, who is the team behind Uplift? So, I mean, we have, uh, we're scrappy and and strong. I I have a team. um, We're all over the world actually. Um, and we have, I have like an operations director, um, someone on customer experience, somewhere on content creation. Obviously I have, um, coaches as well. And then a dev team who are building out the tech product as well. That's awesome. And it's funny cause I, I, after interviewing so many people, like more and more people, their companies are all over the world. I mean, they're remote. They have people working with them from literally all over the world, all over the country. And it's interesting how work is changing and evolving, especially as you start a business, understanding that like, yeah, you can have talent from anywhere really to fill different needs you have in your business. And even like I've had virtual virtual assistants before uh, to help me with the podcast and everything. It's like, yeah, you work with people in the Philippines or are you working with people, you know, like said all over the country. Uh, it's interesting to see how that's kind of evolved over the past, even like two years of doing the podcast. I know. And we're, we're big into virtual assistants. We have, we have three that work with us that are just, I always say they just give us superpowers. 
Um, so it's three wonderful working moms out in the Philippines who nice. quickly do everything from manage my calendar to helping with like the content production to helping, um, you know, sales leads, anything that we can document that can be repeated, we can give to them. And what's been nice, I mean, I, like I said, it gives us superpowers. People always say you've gotten so much done. And I think it's key is really our, our virtual assistants. Yeah. And on that kind of same note that, I mean, how are you, how do you approach either hiring or what's kind of your, your process going through that, or even looking at like which person you want to bring on the team next? Like, how does that work for you? So for the virtual assistants, uh, we, I actually hired a recruiter off of Upwork who is just amazing at finding great people on Upwork. And so she's been great at helping us find you know, virtual assistants um, who, and just screens screens them really well. She also helps screen our coaches um, before we, you know, in the, in the initial stages. Um, and she's just really good at finding this. So to, I kept noticing that I like, I have a to-do list that I track every, every, um, every week. And I kept noticing that the things that weren't getting done were around hiring. And it was a lot of it was like just actually sourcing people. And so anytime I see that not something not happening week after week, I realize, okay, something has to change in the way I'm approaching it, which is usually I need to find someone else to take over that piece. Um, which is why I brought on this, this recruiter who, is amazing and has helped me really build out different parts of my team. And then I'm there to, you know, set up test projects and, uh, you know, actually, you know, do the final types of interviews, but at least I have a pipeline of people up to that. Um, so that's one, one side. The other side is that, you know, it's good people, know good people. So, you know, my content yeah. manager, I, you know, I worked with her at Google and um, she brought on our writer, which is someone she had worked with. I had met my operations manager at um, a conference and we became friends. And then he brought on one of his, you know, close people that he knows for our customer experience. And so it's, it's basically, you know, getting that type of, of network, you know, good people know good people. Yeah. And then with that too, I mean, how are you kind of managing that just from like a, I'm always kind of curious and it's like tools or things you use to keep everyone on the same page or in, to interact with them and uh, to make sure everyone's kind of doing what they need to be doing. Yeah, it's great. Um, So lots of tools. I mean, we, we love Slack. Slack's amazing. Um, we use a lot of Loom too. So we can record little videos with voiceovers of like what we did during the day. That way we can asynchronously like check in on each other. Um, on Slack, we, we have a channel called Daily Check-ins. And so everyone in the morning just types in what they're going to be working on for the day. And then when they sign off for the day, they mark off which they got done and which they didn't. Keeps us a little bit honest. Um, yeah. And we also have, you know, core team little stand-ups too, which are much less about like exactly what's being done each day, but like let's tackle any of the questions that, you know, we need or blockers that we need. We just find that it's good to just get into a virtual room for 30 minutes each day um, to just, you know, that's the most efficient way. And then finally, and we just have trackers. We use Asana to do all of our um, task tracking. Um, and we, 
We also do, I would call them war rooms. So anytime there's like a big deadline coming up or something happening, um, we will all just hop onto a hangout and just work independently. <laughs> but then <laughs> up and ask questions and be like, hey, I can you take a look at this? Can you do this? Can you look at this? What about this? And so it almost makes it feel like we're all in the same place, even though we're all working virtually. And we find that that's made us really efficient in those sort of crunch times as well. Yeah. And it's so important to have the right tools in place and processes. And I'm sure that evolves um, over time as you, one, as a team grows and two, as you kind of figure out what works better than other things for it. It's kind of an ongoing process. And, and with the company too, like with Uplift, what have been kind of the biggest challenges of, of growing this company so far? Well, there's so many <laughs> Of course. I would say that the biggest one for me is there's a disconnect between what moms are going through and what they talk about to HR. And so when we look at it, only over 61% of moms say they don't feel comfortable sharing their struggles with, with HR. And so I talk to the moms and they're like, this is like, they're experiencing so much struggle and, you know, pain and trying to figure out how to make this work. And then a lot of times I then will talk to HR and HR will say, we don't have a problem. And I will just hmm. talk to moms at their company. And so there's this disconnect uh, right now between that. And so that's something that I'm trying to use data to um, counter. So Again, having a stat like the fact that 61% of moms don't feel comfortable sharing any struggles that they have with HR, um, that's one. Um, but then two, also showing companies the, the data that's happening with their moms is also really, really important. And so we're doing different, different techniques and different ways to be able to surface that data so that we can then get moms the help they need. Yeah. And, and with that on that same topic kind of as well, I mean, what other kind of main struggles do you see with the moms you're actually coaching and where are some of like the main problems like they have that you see with going through this, all this coaching with these uh, different coaches you have on the platform? So when you ask moms what they want most, it's always, they want more time. <laughs> so a lot of what we do is, you know, this time management. And a lot of that is just, you know, we have lots of tricks and those types of pieces, but it's also you know, your mindset around time. Like if you feel like you have more time, like if you just have more of an abundance mindset, you're going to act like you have more time. So yeah. a lot of it's like tips, but then also mindset for that. Um, another piece that we see happens all the time is just imposter syndrome. So we like to say that having kids just is a magnifying glass on your life. So anything that's been going really, really well will continue to go, it gets even better. Anything that there were cracks before you had a kid, they're just going to, those cracks are going to be more acute. Um, so that's why a lot of, you know, relationships might end after they have a kid because there might've already been problems there. And so the way that it plays out into your, your work life is that if you have imposter syndrome or if you're a perfectionist, um, and the inability to like delegate or let go, we find that those become more acute after you have kids. Um, and the way that imposter syndrome usually plays out with a lot of women is they, you know, and I was like this, um, when I, before I had kids, 
I thought that I was successful because I worked harder than everyone else. And after you have kids, I, I had that card taken away from me. Yeah. Right? I, all of a sudden I can't work harder than everyone else. I, I have this whole other job <laughs> at home. <laughs> so all of a sudden I have to figure out what is my true value. And so we do a lot of work with women on that as well on really what's your true value? What, like, let's say you were working half the time of everyone else. How can we make sure that you're just as valuable, even though most people aren't working half the time, but like, how do we really use this as an opportunity to hone into what you're going to be known for? What are your best skills? How do you add the most impact? Um, so we do a lot of work there, both on imposter syndrome, but also just really helping you redefine your identity. And then I would say the third bucket is just around self-care, me time, reconnecting with your passions. Um, so often, especially in the early years of having kids, you're you're either working or you're taking care of your kids and you kind of are at the bottom of your to-do list. And so a lot of it is game planning with moms. How do we just get you a little bit of time for yourself? A little bit of time to do those passions that you used to do before you had kids because we know that that's going to make you a better employee it's going to make you a better partner it's going to make you a better mom and really helping women feel like they have permission to do that but then also just like game planning just basic habit uh creation techniques on how do we make sure this actually happens yeah and with with all that as well i mean you have couple of kids, you're building this company. How do you personally balance those two things? <laughs> Some days go better than others. Um, of course. <laughs> and it's a constant, it is a constant adjustment. Um, so I'll give you a very good example for this week. So this week we, we actually launched this thing called the working mom checkup yesterday. And what that does is allow women to um, be able to record or find out what their burnout risk and their burnout levels are compared to other moms and get them some tips. Any, anyhow, it was a lot of work. And basically Monday and Tuesday, like, like I ended up having to work a big chunk of Sunday. Um, Monday night, I, I worked straight through, you know, not through the night, but like straight through dinner. Um, yeah. And so I wasn't being, to be honest, like a great mom right then, right? Um, you know, I cuddled with my kids a little bit while I worked. Um, but I was okay with that because I was getting something out. And what I'm going to do later this week is make up for it. So on Friday, I'm going to take a few hours off in the afternoon. I'm going to take my kids pick them up from school. And then we're going to go um, on a little adventure. And then on Saturday, we're going to go on a big hike all, all day long. Um, and so at the end of the week, come Sunday, when I look back, everyone's cup will be filled. Like I will have, you know, done amazing stuff at work. I will have also felt like I had some really high quality time with my kids and my yeah. kids will feel balanced too. And so a big part of me when you, when you say balance this is I work better a little bit in extremes where, you know, there's just gonna be times that I know I'm going to have to, to work a lot. Um, but I do that knowing that I'll have other times where I can, you know, make up for it. 
And so I try to make sure we always try to encourage our, our moms, but I also look at my life on this, this, this point is looking, making sure when I'm looking at balance and I'm looking at a wide enough view versus day to day, because no day is ever really that balanced. <laughs> right. I think that's a really important thing you mentioned there. Cause like you said, no day is completely a balance, but you know, looking at week by week by week and then month by month by month, like how is it? all fit together because it's not gonna, it's not like it's perfect 50 50 every single day there's no way it's gonna ever happen um which is i think important to understand and and one thing that it makes me think of too with you you were at google before and now having a different life with a company like how what are the differences been in in that capacity having your own company versus working at, at a big company like google great question i mean the first difference is that I remember when I got my my website up the first time and I was making changes, I was just so shocked at how fast you can move as a startup. And yeah. I think that when you're starting up, don't ever forget that that's your biggest competitive advantage against any big player. Um, but, and you know, to be giving an example on this checkup, we completely revamped the entire thing in the past week um, based on user feedback. And there's no way that that could have happened um, at, at Google as fast. So that that's one. Um, the second is, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I miss this. I miss like you're never you're never really off when you own your company, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna take. I'm forcing myself to do things like take the afternoon off on Friday to make up for this earlier week. But I used to, you know, I had tons of vacation days. Google. <laughs> and <laughs> I used to very religious, like very religiously to take days for myself or days for my kids or those things. And, you know, when you have your own company, all of a sudden, any vacation day that you're taking is, you know, you're taking from yourself. And so it is that sort of adjustment of like, I, I, I do make sure to still go on vacation. I do make sure to have time for myself um, and away from the company. But yeah, that's that's some that's probably what I miss the most is just it was really nice to like fully never feel guilty about taking time off when you're working from someone else because that that was sort of the expectation. Um and then I would say the third thing is just and this is a mistake I made at Google, I feel like. Um at Google it was very insular. Like I had a great network within Google but I didn't invest enough in my network outside. And since I've started this company, I mean, my network has grown tremendously. And I mean, it just has to, right? That's part of like starting a company. And I think that it's been so impactful in, in my life personally, even, you know, regardless out of this company. So I really love the fact that I'm forced to just be putting myself out there all the time. Yeah, that's what business does when you have your own company because <laughs> you're always trying to find ways to either, you know, you're hiring people or get insights on something you need or or just be inspired by other people and you, may, you meet so many people, uh, which is obviously a lot beneficial for anything you want to do moving forward. One of the things too, like you interviewed 150 plus moms at the top of their field. What what was that all about? How did you how did you start doing that? Yeah, so that was one of those things I did at the very beginning too. And my, my thought process there was I didn't, know what made a great working mom. So how could I have a program about this? And to be honest, I was insanely naive when I started this company. <laughs> I started those interviews and 
I thought, I know how to be a good working mom. Like I read lean in, you lean in, you outsource everything. There's like a way. And about four interviews in, I realized, oh no, there is not a single way. All these women are completely different. I talked to partners at McKinsey who didn't have a, didn't even have a housekeeper because they valued hard work. And so as a family, they cleaned. Um, I, and then I would talk to um, the CMO. She's actually now the president of Hulu. She just was announced today. Um, and oh, wow. she, she, she was telling me everything she outsourced and was asking me, what else are other people outsourcing? Can I get more ideas? <laughs> and, um, you know, then both of them were incredible moms and really successful in their careers. And so I started realizing very quickly that um, it was much more about asking the right questions and trying to figure out what is your way to being a working mom. And so those interviews, I mean, they've been amazing. First off, just getting that insight. Um, secondly, all of those moms gave us tips that have been woven into the program. And then third, they've just been, a lot of those moms have turned into sales leads, investors. It's just one of those things where I've created these incredible, you know, relationships with um, with these moms that inspire me constantly. So that was one of the best things I've done for this business. Yeah. I mean, having those connections has to be so good in so many ways. And I even like going to USC and deciding to get an MBA, it was a matter of connections was the number one reason for me. And not, I was looking at it from even just a purely like having more friends. <laughs> it's just like an instant way to have friends in a new city. Uh, and then from there it just kind of grows into like obviously business connections and everything as well, but just so many benefits can come. Uh, from that type of thing. And and with Uplift as well, I mean, what is kind of the, the, the vision moving forward with the company? So we really want to be the company that helps companies support their working moms and support, to be honest, all of the interactions um, around family, like the needs around um, family and the workplace. Um, so we're starting with moms, and um, but our eventual vision is that we then help dads as well. So we help all parents, and then also all caregivers as well. So um, you know those are you know those are the caregivers of aging, baby booming parents. Because you look at women, they're going to be hit by that as well. Um, and so we want to be able to support all of those sort of like life changes. Um, and help those moms be more successful, more productive, and ultimately, you know, happier and better employees. Yeah, and with the with the growth and kind of the next steps as well with Uplift. I mean, are you looking to um, just fuel the company growth off of off of revenue? Are you looking to get like, more investors? Like, how are you looking at like that side of things? Because that's something that uh, I think a lot of people will kind of eventually think about with their businesses as they grow. I just had a conversation yes like two days ago with a with an entrepreneur who sold a company. Uh, he had just decided to bootstrap the whole thing for seventeen years. Uh, never took venture capital. I think he might have a little bit of funding. But um, how do you look at that moving forward? Right. So, I mean, we do have some funding, um, mainly from angels. And okay. the good news about my business is that it's very cash efficient. Um, and so, because we get paid up front for our programs and then we pay our coaches as they coach. And so what's been helpful there is like I, my current view, and this, this changes 
quite regularly. Um, sure. I really want to fund this through revenue for at least the near time future. And, um, you know, really get until I get to a point where it makes sense to bring in venture capitalists. But, you know, venture capital is, it's, um, it becomes a ticking climb, time bomb, right? So you need to make sure that you're yeah. and at the right time so that you can meet all those growth metrics um, as quickly as possible. And so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a matter of when do you bring that in? And right now, I'd rather focus on just building the business. Yeah, a matter of when you bring it in as well as, well as if you bring it in at all, <laughs> because you don't necessarily have to, uh, which is one thing about the show as well, interviewing different entrepreneurs, and they go many different routes in terms of how they fund their businesses. Um, and one, one of it being just yeah, using the revenue they have to supply and grow and then run it for many years. Uh, some go venture route, there's no right answer necessarily. It's just definitely need to consider uh, what that may look like for your business moving forward. And as you've grown this company and um, obviously have a lot of experience now with this, like what have, would you say to someone thinking about launching a business? Any advice for an aspiring entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, so lots of advice. Um, I would say the first thing is, you know, get something out there in the world as fast as possible and have people react to it because you're going to learn so much from real engagement. Um, so I, I know a lot of people sometimes want to like get things perfect or build this big thing. But even if you could build something that's very small and prototypey and just get it out there, um, that, that would be, that would be one. Um, secondly, just really think about who your end customer is. And so this is something like I wish I had done quite slightly differently. Um, so I, like I said, I focused so much on the moms. I focused less in my initial research on um, HR professionals. And now I've talked to tons of those. Um, but I wish at the beginning I had talked to more of those um, at the at the beginning. So make sure that get like map out your entire customer map and like, talk to all of them and not just just one segment um, because that way you'll be able to create more value across the board. Um, and then thirdly, make sure you have a really strong support network. So whether that means a co-founder that you're doing it with you, um, whether that means, and you know, I don't have a co-founder, but I found a number of other female solo entrepreneurs. So, you know, people who they, they might have a team, but they're, they're, they don't have a co-founder. And we, I had a mastermind of, of a group of them where we actually talked on the phone every single week. Um, we still do. And that has been incredibly powerful for me because not only do you get tips, learn how to do things, but it also is that emotional support. So when you have a really bad day, there is someone that you can talk to who says, yeah, I've been there. You're going to get through this um, because there is lots and ups and downs with um, with starting a company. And actually, I'll add one more on that. Um, and it's something I'm con like constantly working on right now. Is that I found myself on a roller coaster. Um, around the company. It's like the highs were amazing. Oh, I just landed this hot new client. Um, and then the lows would be super, super low. And what I've been trying to do more personally is 
regulate that. And so I don't get as excited about the highs and then the lows don't feel as low. And so I'm trying to regulate and, um, and I would highly recommend that um, and checking in on yourself, knowing that, you know, a bad day, you're going to get through it. You've gotten through a ton of the other ones. And a good day, it's good, but there's still a lot more progress to be made. And sort of, you know, tempering both sides of that has been incredibly useful for myself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes, <laughs> definitely. It seems like that would be incredibly useful. And you mentioned reading lead in, lean in example, just for an example, are there any other books or podcasts or conferences or anything else that's kind of been helpful? Obviously the mastermind group you're part of, but anything else that's been helpful for uh, you as you've been growing this business, any other resources? I am obsessed with podcasts. Um, so I love, <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of the normal ones. I love Masters of Scale. I love um, Tim Ferriss' podcast. Yes. Um, then I, it just it's it's just so great to hear other leaders and other entrepreneurs. I love um, how I built this. Especially if you're having a bad day, put one of those on. Um, <laughs> I love uh, Gretchen Rubin's The Happiness Pod Podcast. Uh, it's just lots of really just useful tips on how to be happier. And then finally, I would say um, Adam Grant's Work Life is really interesting. It's all about how um, he usually takes extremes. So companies who've done things in an extreme. Uh, so for example, like what's a company that has complete salary transparency? And he looks at that and what we could. Oh, wow. And so it's, it's just interesting as you're thinking about starting a company, the culture that you're putting together to, to, to listen, listen to that. Um, so I would say mainly podcasts are where I get the most inspiration. Yeah. I and mean, it's so, it's so easy to listen to them. You can consume them in many different ways. I'm just curious. How do you, do you listen to them like, like working out or like driving or like, I'm just curious as to your habits. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a, podcast and audiobook junkie um so yeah, working out cleaning the house driving pretty much whenever i can i love them yeah and one one thing too with with the schedule i'm always always really curious about this i have to ask people like what is like not necessarily typical but what would be like a day in the life of of carrie what would that look like for you sure um so i wake up without an alarm at 5.30 in the morning usually or earlier. Um, I My chronotype is a lion, which means I'm just a very early riser. <laughs> and I will get, like, I'll just take today. Like, I got up. I went downstairs, um, meditated for 15 minutes using the Calm app. Um, then um, and I did that actually. I have a sauna blanket, so I did it in my sauna blanket, which is sauna. Like sleeping bag, I love it. Um, just so it was like nice and warm and cozy. And then I went and worked out um, for about an hour. I have a home gym, um, which has been like a lifesaver. So I went and worked out there, um, did some like lifting, basically some uh, power lifting. And then nice. uh, got up uh, and hung out with the kids for like a little bit and did a little bit of work um, and then took them to school. Um, so they go to school around 8 a.m. And then I came home for, I, I live like three minutes from their school. So I came home, <laughs> did a little bit of work, and then I had to go back to my 
daughter had a presentation. So I went back and did her presentation. Um, then usually we have like our standup. Um, so at this point, at some point during that time, I've set my priorities for the day. So I, I write down like what are three or four priorities for the day. I checked into our daily, like our check-in thing saying, here's what I'm going to work on. Just look over across everything to make sure nothing's blowing up. Um, and then I, you know, we have our standup um, where we just like block and tackle things um, at around like 10, 1030 in the morning. And then I try to different days have different focus. Like, yeah. Um, so, you know, to make sure that like one day is one day is more sales, one day is more um, product, one day is more hiring or something, you know, it, it, it varies. Um, and I also try to block off time. Um, not every day do I am able to block off extensive amounts of time, but I try to at least three days a week have like some big chunks of time to actually just do work and thinking. Um, today is not one of those days. <laughs> today I'm in a lot of meetings and a lot of things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I just do a bunch of meetings. Right now I'm working from home. I have a co-working space at an incubator in DC that I go to probably like once a week. Um, there's different times where I go, go more often. Um, and I will just continue to work. Um, this is probably too much information, but I started. No, I love it. <laughs> um, I started fasting. And so um, I do alternate day fasting. And so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but not always Friday, I, I just don't eat. Uh, so today is a non-eating day. So I'm drinking lots of coffee. Um, yes. And I love it. <laughs> what, what prompted that? I have to ask. Um, it's just been experimentation. I, I just tried it out and really liked it. Um, I, I, like I'm a biohacker in general. And so, um, I like the idea that I don't have to think about food or clean up or do meal prep or any of this like stuff that I used to spend so much time on. Um, and also I, like have gained a little bit of weight that I want to lose. And I'm like, this is the easiest diet ever. You just don't <laughs> a couple of days when you eat normally on the other ones. And so it's just, it's yeah. very easy to execute. I like, what I love about it is it's most other sort of like diets or nutrition I've ever done. It added a bunch of work. Like you had to do meal prep or like eat lots of snacks or do something. And this is like, it actually just took away a lot of work. Um, so I really love that. Um, and so it just makes my days really efficient because I just like, work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't have to think about it. Um, so yeah. And then my kids get home around five. My husband picks them up. Um, they all get home around five. I'm usually not fully done with work until then. So I kind of I'm working a little bit until six, usually with them literally climbing all over me. Um, <laughs> and then we sit down for a family dinner or tonight I'll drink some seltzer. Um, but like, uh, we'll, we'll all sit down and have some family dinner and cook together. Um, they go to bed around like 7.30 or 8. So we just kind of hang out. Um, and then I get back online usually probably a few times during the week. Um, and then I try to completely be off by 9, 9.30 so I can go to like wind down and go to bed and I go to bed between 9.30 and 10. So during the week, it's like 
pretty intense um, just because, yeah, I basically meet her with my, uh, it's just, it's a very solid day. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, and I'm sure it fluctuates, obviously, as different things come up and you have to change things. And, uh, you know, having having kids and a husband, I'm sure this also can change things as well. But uh, I like to provide some context for people who are curious, like, oh, how do they actually work? Because I'm always curious about that. Because there's so many ways to go about that. My own schedule has evolved and changed over the years. Um, It has to fluctuate. And when you have classes, for instance, which I will be done with soon, but having classes as well, they need to figure out that. And it's interesting how people work and decide what to do. Carrie, this has been a lot of fun. Where can people go to learn more about you and all you're doing? So you can go to our website, upliftparents.com. It's a parents with an S. Um, and there you can also find um, our working mom pop up and take that. So you can find out what your burnout risk is. And then we're also on Instagram at get uplifted. Um, so that is just a lot of like humorous and inspirational quotes and messaging. And then you can actually, we, we do a lot of takeovers. So we have other moms, um, show us a day in their life. Um, and so that's always really interesting. A lot of actually entrepreneurs who, who do that as well. And so, yeah, come follow us. Awesome. Carrie, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of just go grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.